Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. Make me a house of prayer. I want to read a verse in your hearing, and then we're going to go into the meat of the message. 1 Corinthians 1 and 10, because as we've received the instruction from the Word of God, here's instruction for us today out of the same ancient text. Now I plead with you, brothers and sisters, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you. Somebody say with me, just so you hear it come out of your mouth. No divisions among us. No divisions among us. But that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. This is the will of God. Paul wrote this before he got to the instructions. Now they got the epistle at the same time, but he, he encouraged them on what they ought to do before he rebuked them for what they were doing. It is a travesty when I know what I ought to do, but I do what I want to do. When we're in God, when we know what we ought to do, we resist what we want to do because we submit ourselves to God. That's what Gethsemane teaches us. Father, you can do all things. You can do anything. And if you will, take this cup from me. Let this cup pass. And before he took another breath, Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. God, take us to the oil press where we submit our will to your will. Not my will. There are a lot of things I like to do. There are a lot of things that I want to do. But I resist them because I want to do your will. Your will is better. Your will is higher. Your will is more desirable. Your will is right. And so, God, I submit myself wholly to you. And it is not possible for me to submit myself to God and not submit myself to you and vice versa. That's how this verse comes to life, that we can be perfectly joined together of one mind. I sense a new season. It is the heart of God that we be perfectly joined together. That's what a body is. If my body parts weren't per perfectly joined together, I would be dismembered in some way. And it breaks God's heart, sis, when his body is dismembered. There are parts that are broken. There are parts that are severed. 
There are parts that want to go. The hand doesn't want to be a part of the body. It goes over here. The feet go over there. The eyes go up there. That, that sounds, in a natural sense, ludicrous. But in a spiritual sense, it's even more ludicrous. Because God wants his body to be one and to be whole. This is what consecration is about. And, and the first part of consecration is instruction. And I want you to know this. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ, who walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. That's why he wants us in the spirit. In that 1 Corinthians 11, if we would have gone to verse 18 down to 24, what Paul was saying in effect, he's giving them the reason why he gave those instructions. He says, so that you won't be condemned with the world. He said, examine yourself so that you won't be condemned with the world. What is he talking about? In the Gospel of John, verse 3, beginning at verse 7, 17, excuse me, you don't have to put that up. Don't scramble for it. Verse 17, John said, Jesus says that God didn't send him to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And then he says, anyone who believes in the name of Jesus Christ cannot be condemned. But those who don't believe on him are condemned already. And he said, this is the condemnation, that those who are in darkness love evil more than light. So what Paul is saying, he's taking that same thought and saying, examine yourself so you're not condemned with the world. Condemnation is not for the people of God. Salvation is for the people of God. And no one, not a devil, not a demon, not a family member, no one can take your salvation. But free will can cause you and me to walk away. That's what Paul was trying to get these carnal people not to do. You are secure in him but you can get out of his hand. Do you know when a child is little, especially one who's rambunctious, and you're holding their hand, and they're trying to run? If you, if they're able to get out of your hand and they run, they're outside of your protection. That's why you hold them. One day I was walking on this side of the building outside, and a child, was riding their bike and their mother was walking with them and the child was going at a good pace and then the child took off and a car was coming and I heard her cry out and the person in the car stopped and the child kept going. And then the mother got on the other side of the street where the car was, I said, uh-oh, it's about to go down. But the mother instructed the child and told them why it wasn't, a, it wasn't a good idea. Didn't raise her voice, didn't speak unsavory language, but it was because of the concern and the fact that in a moment, my child could have been impacted. Do you know how many times a day God's children get ahead of him 
and his heart skips a beat. He's not angry. He's like, why did you, son, daughter, why did you do that? That could have harmed you. The child didn't even know how much danger she was in, but the mother understood it. And we have a father in heaven who knows where destruction lies, and he wants to keep us from that. But because of the power of free will, we must want to be kept. That's why I won't let go of his hand, because if you have your child's hand, even if they run, you can keep them because you're stronger than that child. And because God is greater than all, Jesus said, my father is greater than all and no one can pluck you out of his hands. No one can pluck you out of his hands. I won't let go of his hands. Somebody say with me, I won't let go of his hands. He holds us. He, up, he upholds us with his right hand of power. And so no division, no schism in the body of Christ. If we would examine that, the text that we read for communion, there are three things for those who are taking notes. And then we're going to dive in deeper. Paul said, when you gather together in one place, somebody write down one place. Y'all writing it down? Somebody said it, but you writing it down? But say it too, good, I like to hear that talk back. The other thing he talked about were divisions. How do you remedy division? One accord. Next thing, under one place, write one accord. One accord. Another thing Paul said, that you would speak the same thing. Somebody write one sound. During this time of consecration, we want to come in this house to be in one place, on one accord, with one sound. There's an example in Acts 4 where Peter and James and John had been beaten, and they went to their folk. They went to church. They went to this house, and they told them what happened, and they all began to pray. There were more than 100 people in the house, Doug, but in the scripture, there's one prayer recorded. What God is telling us is when the people of God come together, there's one sound that goes up to heaven. God hears it. He hears it, and he responds to that prayer. They prayed for boldness. I went to God that we would pray for boldness so that when we go out, we'll be bold. There are two questions I want to answer and then we'll be done. The first is, what is God's purpose for his people who go out into the world? What is God's purpose for his people who go out into the world? The answer is in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 20 through 23. If you would put up John 17 and 20, Jesus is praying. Like, this is the Lord's prayer. This is the Lord's prayer. He's praying. So it's in three segments in John 17. First, he prays for himself. Here's a lesson. Here's wisdom. 
his shortest prayer was for himself. Then he prayed for his disciples. What we're going to get up, get to is what pertains to us. Then he prayed for all those who would believe in him through their words. Do you believe the epistles? Do you believe the gospel? Those are written by those that he prayed for, and we are the ones that he's praying for in these verses. So we'll see his purpose in this. You remember the question? What is God's purpose for his people who go out into the world? Here's what Jesus says in verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, meaning the apostles or his disciples, but also for these who will believe in me through their word. That's all of us. That's all of us. Verse 21. That they will be what? That they will be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Keep that there for a minute. First of all, I want you to pick up that he described when he says, talks about his father and himself. He says that they might be one in us. That's the same one who said, let us make man in our image, and in our likeness. Jesus is describing now the fulfillment of that in our image and our likeness. Let them be one in us, just like I am in you and you in, in me. Let us be in them. Why? So the world might believe. The world has no chance of believing without the church of the living God, without the witness that God is real. So the answer to the question is so that the world may know him and that we might be one in him. See, that's why Paul told them there should be no division. You must be one because our God is one and we're in his image and his likeness. He wants his bride to be one. The church is his bride. What he did in the, in the garden was a foretaste of his body. Man was to leave and cleave and to be joined to his wife, and they should be what? One. Now think about this. How could Adam and Eve leave their father and mother? Who was their father and who was their mother? Right. If you think about that, you know it wasn't written for their sakes. It's for our sakes. And it's for, he's, that's why Paul said, you think I'm talking about marriage of husband and wife? I'll show you a mystery. I speak of the church. This is about the body of Christ, that we would be one, that we would leave the world and cleave to God. See, there's a leaving and cleaving that doesn't have anything to do with matrimony. Matrimony is right. It's the will of God, but this is about, about more than that. 
It's about his bride. The church is the bride of Christ. We're his bride. So he said, let us, let them also be one in us that the world may believe that you sent me. How else will the world believe if we don't go out? If the church is in a bubble, the world is lost. It's the will of God. That's his purpose. That's his purpose for the body of Christ. Just as his disciples, just as those 12 were witnesses. He said, you're going to be my witnesses. And for every generation after, I'm thinking, how are you going to fit all that stuff on their crowns? Because everyone who came to Christ after did it based on their word. Can you imagine the reward? Like, if you just trace the impact of Azusa Street, I think the last data might be five, ten years, and there were 600 million people. And I forgot how many denominations that were birthed based on that little mission on Azusa Street. If that happened in modern times, how much more, how much greater is their reward? That's not the real question. But if we do according to God's plan and God's purpose as individuals and as a collective, how heavy will our crowns be? How heavy will our crown? There is a purpose. There is a reason. It's not just for us to come together to be fed. That's part of it. We come to get fed and to get energized so we can go out. And so the world might know that God sent Jesus Christ and there's hope for them. Here's what we know, according to the, what I quoted in John, that the world is condemned. And, we don't, and God is saying, I don't want you condemned with the world. There are other people that he doesn't want condemned with the world. They just don't know him. How are they going to know him? How are they going to see him? Let's go further. Let's ask the second question. You ready for the second question? Does he have a plan for us that will enable us to fulfill his purpose in the earth? So we start with the purpose. Does he have a plan for us to fulfill the purpose? Verse 24 through 26 gives us some insight. Verse 24 says, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me. Isn't this wonderful? I want to pause just for a moment. My firstborn is my daughter. I have a daughter. And I had the privilege of standing right here as Bishop Granham officiated to give her away, to give her hand in marriage. Jesus is saying to his father, he said, Father, I desire that also those whom you gave me. Jesus gave us. His Father gave us to him our hand in marriage. We're now married to him. We are his bride. Those whom you gave me be with me where I am, that they also 
may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you have loved me before the foundation of the world. Verse 25. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it. Twenty-five, not twenty-six. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. Verse twenty-six. And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. In this, Jesus lays out the long-term plan, and that is so that we can be with him, that we can be with him, not just in time, but in eternity. I want to spend the rest of my life, how about you, with him. I will not be betrothed to another. God gave me to him. And I want to be with him for the rest of my days. And that's the short-term plan. But long-term, I'll be with him in glory. And I'll see him as he is. And John the Beloved put it this way. Anyone who has this hope in them purifies themselves, even as he is pure. That's what consecration is about. Even as he is pure, because then we shall see him as he is. We will get to experience the glory of God here, but when we get into that long-term plan, Paul said these light afflictions, that we have to bear are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. His long-term plan is glory. His long-term plan for us is to be with him. His short-term plan is for us to be with him in obedience, walking with him and giving ourselves to him only and not another in sickness and in health. The difference is, at death, we don't part. <laughs> See, in the natural marriage between a man and a woman, at death, we part. You're no longer married. Even if you see him in heaven, you won't see them as you're no longer betrothed because now you're only betrothed to one. Only to one. So for him, it's forever. It's forever. On earth, people say it's forever. And then they're like, nah, I don't think you're the one. It's not forever. But this one, we can't turn back. It's, it's forever. I'm talking about really forever. Not just forever as measured in time, but his plan is eternal. His plan is eternal. That's why when the 72 came back to him excited because the devils had, been, had responded to the authority of his name, he said, don't rejoice because the, the devils are subject to you. Rejoice, 
because your name is written in heaven. That's his plan. That's his plan. His plan is good. His plan is good for you and for me. He wants nothing for us but the best. But the best. It doesn't matter what life throws at you. You got the best. You've got the best because you're in the best. You're in the one who there's nobody like. There's nobody in the history of the world who've ever walked the earth who's been like him. Every army that's ever marched is not like him. Every naval ship that's ever sailed is weaker than him. Every king that's ever reigned is not like the king of kings. He's the king of glory. There's nobody like him. We're in the one who's all by himself. We're in the one who can't go to anyone for no advice because he's wiser, he's greater, he's mightier, he's more powerful, he's everywhere all at the same time. He's great and that's why we worship him. That's why we praise him. There's none like him. There's not even any beside him. There's no other. He's the true and the living God. He loves you. He loves you better than life. There's nobody like him. His thoughts towards you are good. Every day, he's got you. He's got you. You're on his mind. You're in his heart. He waits for you to wake up in the morning. How you doing, love? I've been waiting for you. Good morning. Good morning. I brought you into this day because I just want to be with you. I just want to be with you when you were asleep. I spoke to you in a dream because I couldn't wait till you woke up. I need you. Every hour my thoughts are towards you. My thoughts are good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope and an expected end. I don't want you to worry about today. This is, this is the Lord speaking to you. It's like his love language. I don't want you to worry. I don't want you to worry because I got you. There's nothing that can touch you because I've got you. I'm greater than all. I'm mightier than all. I've got you. I hold your future in my hand. I got a future for you that's beyond this life. Don't worry about these troubles. These troubles one day will all be over, but I'll be right here waiting for you. I'm waiting for you. I love you. Don't you know how much I love you? How much I desire you? I just want you to love me back. I want you to love me back because I'll do anything for you. There's nothing that I'll withhold from you. All I ask is that you walk upright before me. Walk upright before me. Don't let anybody, don't let anybody hinder you. I need you to walk upright. I heard something this morning on the video that Dr. King said that caught my attention. He said when people straighten up and walk up, nobody can get on, a, on their back because they can only ride your back if it's bent. My back won't be bent, my vertebrae will, will be straight. The only thing that will bend are my knees. I'll walk upright, but I'll be on bended knee. God desires us. He's looking for the people who desire him, who want him. 
Everybody needs him, but not everybody wants him. Everybody needs him, but not everybody knows that they need him. Lord, we need you now. We need you now. We can't make it without you. We can't live without you. We can't love the way you want us to love without you. Part of what he prayed was, Father, I want the world to know them and to know that the love which you have loved me may be, may be in them. When that love is in us, it's so full, we got to let it out. And it's so free. All you have to do, sis, is show up and people will sense the love of God. A person who's despondent and despairing of life will all, will all of a sudden find joy. They'll see something that they haven't seen. They'll feel something that they haven't felt. They'll discover the missing piece. They know something is missing, but they don't know what is missing. I want you to know Jesus is the missing piece. He's the missing piece. The reason you have that void and you feel empty is because there's a piece that's missing. And his name is J-E-S-U-S. He can fill any void. I don't care how black the hole is. When he shows up, light has to shine because there's no darkness in him. He's the light of the world. He's the light of the world. He's the power of the gospel. He's the wisdom of God. He's the rose of Sharon. He's the bright and the morning star. He's the bright and the morning star. He's so bright that John the Revelator said, in heaven, there'll be no need for the sun and there'll be no need for the moon for the lamb is the light. I'm telling you, he's the light of the world. He's going to light up heaven. God, light up this place. Light up this place. Jesus, the light of the world. He's the power of God. He's the wisdom of God. He's the goodness of God. Whatever you need is in him. Whatever you need, he's got it. Your banker might turn you down. Jesus won't turn you away. The doctor might say, I've done all I can do, but there's a great physician who's never lost a patient. He's a healer. He's a healer. There's nobody like you. That's what we're trying to say, Lord. We realize that there's nobody like you. We've searched all over, couldn't find nobody. We've looked high and low, still couldn't find nobody. There's nobody greater, nobody greater than you. Men seek greatness through the lust of power seeking, but there's nobody greater than you. Everything is moving by the power of God. The writer of Hebrews said there is no power except the power of God. Everything flows from him.
nobody greater. If you know that's right, say nobody greater. I don't care where you look. You're not going to find it. You might as well end this search. It ends at Jesus, who is the Christ. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. One day there were some Greeks who were outside the commonwealth of Israel. They came and they asked Philip, okay, he said, who do you seek? He said, I will see Jesus. In other words, I ain't looking for you, Philip. You don't have what I need. I want to see Jesus. The day is coming where people are going to be clear about who they seek about who they seek. Before I read the last verse and take my seat, I want to tell you a story real quick. It's a story that's written in a book called Fan the Flames, which was written by Jim Cimbala, the founder and pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle. And he talks about a man whose name is David, who after he had preached not that David, <laughs> the, who preached three services. Pastor Simbala was tired. He was so tired. And he sees this man come in, because where they are in Brooklyn, you know, there's some, a lot of different types. And this person had been sleeping outside, and the, and the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir had been worshiping, and he was preaching, and he could hear through the vents. Because you know when it's cold outside, Brandy, and someone is homeless, you'll find them near or on the vents because they're trying to get heat. And he had been living there for years. This day, he went in, and Pastor Simbala is thinking, the service is over. I've been on my feet all day. I don't have time for this. Who is this person coming in? Who is this bum? And he said as he got closer, the stench was horrible. He had been laying in his own waste and urine. I smell cigarettes and all that. He's like, oh man. He said, what can I do? He went in his pocket, got $10. He's like, I know he's coming in here to hit somebody up. I'm going to make this quick, and I'm going to give him the $10. He took out the money he gave it to this man who was homeless, who was destitute, kid, and poor. And the man responded, I don't want your money. I want that Jesus that you've been preaching about. And he said, he was so convicted. He said, I was just preaching about Jesus. He said, Lord, forgive me. One that you died for. I'm trying to offer money. And he said, I began to hug him. And he said, we were weeping together and trembling in each other's arms. And he said, all of a sudden, the fragrance changed. He said, I no longer smelt the stench. I no longer smelt 
and he said, I led him to Jesus. He said, that man got cleaned up. He comes to my home with my family on holidays. He's a minister of the gospel. He found a wife, and he's serving in the church. May God break our hearts so that those we want to give a handout, that we would give a hand up and lead them to Jesus who can do anything. May God prepare the hearts of people in your path who will decide, I want Jesus. I want Jesus. I'm not looking for religion. I'm not looking for nice slogans to say, I want Jesus. And he said that forever changed him. May we as the people of God be moved with compassion. May we not judge people by how they look and how they sound. If they're not like us, well appointed, they can still be like God because he loved them. He died for the weak. He died for the broken. And a broken heart and a contrite spirit, he will not despise. And that man probably waited until everybody left because he didn't want to be judged. And the person standing behind the sacred desk offered him money. When somebody needs the Holy Ghost, when somebody is seeking the Christ, money is worthless. Money is worthless. It's cheap. The currency is devalued in the presence of gold, in the presence of God. Gold and silver have I none, but such as I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, that's what we ought to give people. That's the hope that we can offer. We have that privilege of being carriers of the most valuable currency that the world has ever known, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in the eyes of God and in the eyes of heaven, it is better to hoard money than to hoard the gospel. It is better to hoard money and lay it up, which fools do. Remember the man who had many riches, and he said, I'm, he went in his barn, I have so much stored up, I think I'm going to retire, I'm going to relax, I'm going to see the world. And Jesus in the parable said, thou fool, tonight your soul is required of you. The most important part of us is not our body, it's our soul. Our soul, this comes from the dust of the earth. God remembers that we're only dust. We ought to remember that we're only dust. But when he breathed into Adam, he breathed into him the breath of life, and he became a living soul. The part of you that's alive, Ken, is the place where your intellect, your emotion, 
and your will is. And so God, take our minds and mold it. Renew us in the spirit of our minds. Take our wills, take our wills and hold it. Cause us to desire what you desire. Take our emotions and stabilize them so that we're not up and down. Sometimes up, sometimes down. Almost level to the ground. We don't have to be like that. That's the part of us that God dwells. And that's what God wants to reach, the soul of people. The soul of people. Exercise is good for the body. But the Bible says exercise profiteth little. But godliness is profitable to all. That's what we want to be. Jesus, while he was here, was the light of the world. But now we are the light of the world. And you don't take a light and put it under. The light is to light up the room. May every room you enter become light. May you be a neon light everywhere you go. May the, the fluorescence of Jesus radiate from you. May his glory permeate from your very being. May this be your portion. May this be your lot. May your soul prosper. May your soul prosper. In the days that your bank account is empty, may your soul prosper because that's the part of you that will last. We need to take more attention to our soul, to our soul. And that's what God is concerned with. When we have that consciousness, the way we deal with people will be different because we'll see in them what God sees in them. We won't make the mistake that Pastor Simbala made, but thank God he corrected it because God convicted him. Last verse, and then we're going to worship. Last verse is in Exodus 16 and 4. Exodus 16 and 4. And can I ask you, to stand for the reading of the word. I want us to read it together. Because when you say something, you're more likely to do something. And you know how it is in the world when all is said and done, there's more said than done. When all is said and done, there's more said than done but we are the children of God. We're people of integrity. Let's read it together. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out. Come on, let's say that again. And the people shall go out. One more time. And the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I test them whether they will walk in my law or not. I want to speak a brief word 
over you. May God rain down bread, the bread of life, because we shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And may this people, God's people, go out and gather and gather and gather and gather so that his house might be full. And may we go out walking in his way so that every time he puts us to the test, he will know and be pleased because we've kept his word. We've kept his word. His word is like not like manna that only lasts for a day. His word is everlasting. May you go out and walk in the ways of the Lord. May you on the live stream go out and walk in his way. May you feast on the bread of heaven. May it be your portion daily. May you receive your daily portion. And may you walk strengthened by the bread of heaven. May the God of peace be your portion and be your lot. And may you be the light of the world in Philadelphia, in Delaware, in New Jersey, in New Jersey, and in the regions, and wherever you may be, let's sing together, walk in the light. Come where the dew drops. shares be in us and may we be willing to release it so that it can go out of us just as you pour into us may we be willing to pour into others may our lives be a drink offering 
that is poured out on the altar of sacrifice. Bless your people together now and make us a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. For those who are on the live stream, if you want to make a decision today to come nearer to him, to consecrate yourself before him, or if you want to get to know him, or if you want to get to know him better, or if you're one of those who was with him and who turned back, he's waiting for you. He's married to the backslider. I want you to text to decision, 215-440-6610. If you're in this room, you can also text to decision, 215-440-6610. And to our live stream audience, God bless you, God keep you, and keep the faith. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.